It's always good to ask ourselves why we're here. What kind of church are we looking for? It's good to ask ourselves that, just so that we make sure we're on the right track. We're not here to feel good, although that's nice when we do. (laughs) We're not here to uh, be reaffirmed and saying everything is all right, nor are we here to be told off either. We're not here for any of that, actually. We're here for God. If we come here at this last chance mass, <laughs> this mass, one of the last masses in the diocese, it's because God is important. And in saying that, we also come here in order to grow in holiness. Today, we're put before the reality of the gospel's teaching on marriage. And I don't like watering things down. I like when things are tough because it means it's something I have to strive after. If the gospel were easy, then why bother? Why would anyone bother? It would be something we would already have. But if the gospel challenges us to love unto the end and to search for how to be holy, true, heroic, beautiful, to live of excellence, well, then that becomes something worth it. If it calls us to live on another register, to be different than what the world says, then that is something special. And today's gospel is one of those examples. Pretty much every time we open it up, it presents us with something, if we have eyes to see. But you notice the very first words of the very first reading today, God says to Adam, it is not good that man should be alone. And it's interesting, God did not make us to be alone. Originally, God always planned that we be with one another. Could you imagine a loneliness that is so great that no words can enter, that no words that you might hear from another might change that loneliness? I've been before people that seem to be in that state where they feel so alone, where they feel so desperate that no matter what I say, it seems to not even pierce through the mind. Luckily, often, God has given me the grace to pierce through a bit 
But that would be how we would define hell. Hell is a loneliness so great that no one can pierce it. An emptiness so great that all you are left in is despair. And in the book of Genesis, we find that man is originally lonely. And I don't know about you, but I know what that feels like to be lonely. To feel like I'm surrounded by a crowd of people and yet alone. And God gives as a response to this dilemma of loneliness, marriage. Not just marriage, but friendship, a love, another person whom later on we'll call Eve. But when he first meets her, he can't find the words to express. So he calls her Isha, or Woman, Woman. And this encounter finally responds to that emptiness, that loneliness that is within his soul. And I think that that loneliness still resonates today because it has to do with the very structure of our human psychology, our human makeup, that we are made for others, that we only find meaning in the encounter with the other, in the heart-to-heart. And then we're put before this gospel. For the world today, the world today, it recognizes very quickly, actually, that marriage is a psychological or, or human institute where a man and a woman come together and choose, choose freely to be with one another so that that loneliness that they feel within might not resonate, that they might have a bit of happiness, that they might bear fruit in success in their life, they might bear fruit in children, Wonderful children, hopefully. That they might bear fruit in so many ways. And yet, I think in the world today, we find this acknowledgement, you know, of it being a human institute. But because it's human, we seem to have reverted to think that it's just a choice. That is only human. I choose to be with her and she chooses to be with me and that's it. And we lose sight that God had always had a plan for it. That there's more to marriage than the psychological well-being. That actually marriage enters into God's plan for you. That the day that you say, I do, is the day that you say, God, I believe, I believe 
that somehow through my spouse, somehow through this woman, through this man, you will lead me to you. It's funny because divorce rates are still climbing. Last I heard, we're up at a 60% divorce rate now. And divorce has become a quite a common thing, thing. And many a family are divided. And this gospel, when it says the man who divorces his wife and marries another is guilty of adultery against her, is a strong one. I've met so many men and women who have chosen after a divorce to live alone with their friends and to search for a holy life. I've met other men and women who search to raise their kids well and follow through and still more that are forced into circumstances that are beyond their control. Especially when I was living on the border of Mexico, many, many cases of women who would be remarried. And it was their only financial means of survival. But even before all these mysterious realities that we're stuck in at times, that sometimes we do have a choice, sometimes we don't, God is still alive. And he's still crying out that the marriage vow is still sacred. That once we are married, God promises you, promises you that somehow through that marriage, he will lead you to happiness and holiness. I also think of a couple that I know from here in Christchurch who struggled immensely throughout their whole marriage. And now, after well over 50 years of marriage, their marriage has, in their own words, led them entirely to God. Marriage is a beautiful reality that is not just a human institute. God intended from all time to give you this institute to respond to the loneliness of your heart, to give you a spouse, to give you someone to be with. And in intending this, he elevates it beyond the human to what we call a sacramental reality. And in that sacramental reality, it becomes indissoluble. It becomes something that God puts his stamp on it. And he says, I promise you that through this marriage, I will lead you. So, the first point, we all go through loneliness. And loneliness is something that's structurally part of the human soul. Leads us to the second point, 
which is the human reality of friendship. And that human reality of friendship is leading within it to something that is a very special kind of friendship called marriage that bears fruit in children, bears fruit in success in life if it does well. But all that aside leads us to a third point. It wasn't just a human institution from the beginning. God intends marriage to be a means to encounter him. God intends marriage to be a means towards knowing the love of God. And so when you turn to your husband or your wife, you can say in your heart, Lord, I believe that you asked me to be here and you will guide me. Give me the knowledge, the understanding, the sensitivity to know how to break down the walls and the barriers, to know how to mend and heal the wounds. Help me to live of this marriage in a way that will purify my own heart and lead me more and more to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.